Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. I was at my nephew's wedding yesterday, and it was a lot of fun, and I have, our family is growing pretty quickly. The fun of clan is just blows me away how quickly we're expanding. Either my nephews or nieces are getting married or nephews and nieces that are already married are having kids. Um, And so it's amazing how families expanding. And yeah, yesterday it was a a lot of fun. It was one one of my nephews, one of my favorite nephews. Hopefully he can hear this one Sunday. (laughs) No, I love all my nephews, but he's a special guy. He plays on my soccer team. His name is Alex. And um, it was really cool. One of the most precious moments was watching him pray um, at his ceremony. And, uh, you know, he just, like, tried, and, and he got pretty emotional, so he would stop. And then he tried a few words there, and he would stop. <laughs> and I think everybody got a good point across. They're like, you know what, man? You don't need to say much. We know how you feel. And it was very amazing to see God bless him. And um, so, anyways, while I was at the wedding, obviously, it's nice because you catch up with a lot of people you haven't seen in a while. Uh, some of my own family members as well, um, and then I uh, have a kind of an interesting situation. So I come up, well, I'm, I'm just standing there all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> somebody runs up from the back and just grabs me and just picks me up and sets me down. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on? And uh, surely enough, and that was one of my nephews. He's, uh, he's a, going to be, wants to be a doctor. He's studying right now. He's a very muscular guy, like a bodybuilder pretty much. And then uh, he recently started working out with my other nephew, who's just tall, lanky, and not really, you know, not very, like, built muscularly, but um, it's great to see that. But anyways, I came up to Daniel, my nephew, the one that's not as, you know, muscular. And I was like, Daniel, man, you've been working out, huh? And he's like, he just starts, you know, doing this. Like, <laughs> I dare you to try this. Come up to a person, uh, to a man, okay, any man and just say, hey, have you been working out? Have you been lifting? And just watch what they do with their body. It's almost instant. Like they start contouring the way they're moving their body in all directions they've never moved before. It's amazing. Uh, There's nothing more that men love than to be complimented on their shape and the physical attributes. And uh, ladies, yeah, (laughs) there's a huge advantage in that. Wives, tell your husband how beautiful he is. Amen. But anyways... Uh, I'm not personally a fan of exercise, and I don't think, you know, I don't like how you feel in the moment of working out, but you like how you feel afterwards, right? But I have kind of somewhat embraced exercise and um, realizing that sometimes, you know, our routines and res- and results are connected, actually. Uh, what, did you, what do you think about that, you know? Like, actually, if you move more and eat less, you know, you'll look better. It's uh, exclusively this, you know, nutrition programs available here at Whitefields Church. <laughs> um, but in some ways, though, I do think a lot of times our solutions are a lot simpler. It's the implementation which is harder. You know, last week um, I shared about climbing and maintaining, meaning climbing is our prayer and maintaining is our worship. Or, and so it's very important to understand that. But, you know, to implement things in life, it's not always, you know, easy. So... Uh, that's the most challenging thing to do. Um, if we sometimes do just one little thing, one steps at a time. I like to always approach things realistically. I like to say that. Don't, uh, don't set a goal at the beginning of the year uh, just 
right when after New Year's, as if it's a magic day, uh, and be like, that's it, starting this day, I'm going to do this. By the way, if you ever want to sell exercise equipment, you, you can make some serious money in the beginning of the year. So hold that on till then. That's the side note. <laughs> but the implementation of actually results, you know, that's the hardest thing. If you say you want to pray and increase your prayer life, it's not going to magically happen. You have to put some effort into it. You know, if, if you say, I'm going to read scripture, don't wait until the beginning of the year. Start now. You start establishing your habits now. It's going to get easier with time. Amen. Yeah. Title of my message today is brace yourself. Um, when my nephew ran up to me <laughs> and grabbed me, and uh, I was, you know, when you're not expecting to get knocked over, you're going to get, you know, you're going to lose balance. And I was like swept off my feet and just he picked me up and threw me up almost. And he's shorter than me. So, but, but he's very strong, yeah. And, uh, and I was like, perfect. That's the title of my message, Brace Yourself. Couldn't think of a title <laughs> all week. <laughs> oh, man. But it will make sense, I believe. Uh, the writer of Hebrews 11, so um, Hebrews 11 is known for a book that's called Hall, Hall of Faith. You know how there's Hall of Fame, but there's a Hall of Faith. Uh, it talks about all the different, you know, pers- people from the Bible, from previous times, from Old Testament, and um, how they made an impact. So I want to touch a little bit on that. And, uh, but I wanted to ask this question today. Anyone asked God for strength? Anybody? Just a few? One, two. Everybody else? No? <laughs> nice. Thank you. Well, because the way you get stronger is you have to apply something, right? You have to face resistance. When you go to the gym, there's, you know, they don't, you don't just come up to dumbbells that are like, oh, I can do this for like forever. Uh, in order to grow muscles, you need some resistance, right? So you can't get frustrated at your trainer for, you know, giving you weights, um, because that's what makes you stronger. And sometimes the direction of God points us to, like in our spiritual development, when we're asking God to give us strength, to build up, you know, our strength inside. Uh, it frustrates us because even though that's the very reason we came to him in the first place, right, to make us stronger. So when you come to God and ask him, like, Lord, strengthen me. And when he puts weights on us, you know, we get frustrated. But that's the part of the growth experience is, you know, when you're asking God for strength, there's certain situations in our life that will strengthen you. And I know that many of you can testify that when you went through some kind of a, you know, difficult experience, traumatic experience, or uh, death in the family, losing someone, um, how you feel later when you walk through God is you're going to feel a lot more stronger. And during those times, you start carrying those people that are going through the similar things that, you know, they never went through. So God gives you that strength and courage to lift up those that are weaker around you, you know. Scripture tells us to do that, to carry each other's burdens. This way, we will fulfill the law of the Lord. Amen. So I want to take a look at a church that is in the New Testament. It's, you know, it's starting up. It's a church that was struggling, dealing with uh, immense persecution. And in the midst of a struggle... Uh, God is pretty much using the author of Hebrews to speak strength into their struggle, all right? He's going through a list of different people throughout the scripture. I mean, I'm going to read that scripture in a second. People who didn't look very strong, you know, but who God used to accomplish great things. And so um, he's using these illustrations because though they're a young church, uh, you know, and they're wondering, do, do they have what it takes? And so it's pretty incredible. I've read this passage so many times. And for the first time, I'm like, wow, I came back to it and read it again. It's been happening a lot with me lately. Uh, when I'm just like, 
Wait, I'm going to read this again. There's too much to unpack. So I challenge you, don't just, you know, skim through it. Um, a lot of times when I'm starting to read Bible, it's incredible how all of a sudden the list of things that you need to do come to your mind. It's like, and how many times you're trying to remember when you're not doing anything and like nothing comes to your mind. But the moment you start reading scripture, see, you can look at it in a negative way saying, well, you know, it's the devil attacking you. Or maybe because when you're reading the Bible, things start to make sense. <laughs> when you're praying to the Lord, we talked about it last week, right? When there's certain problems in our world, uh, in our life that don't make sense, we come, we come to the, our prayer room, one-on-one -on -one with God. And all of a sudden, things start clearing up. You're like, oh, man, I didn't think about that. This situation means this. It's just amazing how in presence of God, things start making sense. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So there's this church, you know, starting up, and uh, this is not a modern mega day church, you know, mega church. Uh, they don't have their nonprofit status, you know. Um, it's still considered a cult, you know. The church is growing. Uh, it was still just a group, but it's, you know, spreading. It's getting, gaining traction. And, but with that, you know, devil, obviously, if there's, the church is growing, if the church is developing, it will face more resistance and persecution. And so the writer of Hebrews is listing some examples that they can uh, draw encouragement from. People, and he's listing off people that didn't look that big, didn't seem that strong, but who God used greatly to accomplish uh, great things. Hebrews chapter 11, 32, verse 32 through 34. Let's read that together. And then we're going to jump later on into Old Testament and connect some of the, one of the characters I want to use in this uh, list. Hebrews 11, 32, verse 30 through 34. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell, to tell about Gideon, Barak, not Barack Obama, obviously, but what's the name there? Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. Let's, listen to what they did. Administered justice, gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, Amen. quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. And here's a, here it is. Whose weakness was turned into strength. And that's the key line that I'm using. And that is the whole message, really. The rest of it is just how his weakness was turned into strength. And who became powerful in the battle and routed foreign armies. Amen. That's amazing. So, and I'm thinking, I'll be, Lord, this is amazing. I want to be in this club of these kind of believers, you know, who, whose weakness was turned into strength. Um, it's not the worldly standards, you know. Um, it's not what the world teaches us. <laughs> so, but that's the phrase that puzzled me, though, and I'll tell you why. How weakness was turned into their strength. Because I, I don't want to argue with the author of Hebrews, you know. S -s much smarter than I am, whoever he is. It's an anonymous book. People can predict who it was written by, but we don't know. Uh, some people think he's a coffee drinker because he brews. I don't know. I say that. It's corny, I know, but can't have a sermon without a dad joke. But whoever he was, uh, uh, I was thinking, look, why did you put Samson in that list? And I'm thinking, I get most of these characters through the, you know, that list. You know, we're looking at Samuel. I totally understand Samuel, right? Why he brings him up. Samuel, uh, Samuel's mother was unable to conceive a baby. And when she finally gave birth to Samuel, she dedicated him to God uh, he was placed in the wicked temple, in the wicked temple system. It wasn't, 
in order, you know. The sons of Eli were running around doing some naughty things. But God used Samuel to illustrate how you can come from a barren situation and redeem the broken system. And I love that. That's weakness to strength, right? That makes sense. So let's go to David, right? I understand why he would mention David because he's an example of somebody uh, who was almost excluded. You know, he wasn't in the lineup or the roster of kingship. You know, when the prophet Samuel showed up and they didn't even think about bringing him in. <laughs> they had all these sons line up and Samuel's like, nope, not this guy, not this guy. Is there any chance you have another guy out there? You know, and surely enough, it was David. But I love how God selects. I've said this before, what men rejects, God selects. <laughs> God selects what men rejects. So, but he rose to greatness, you know, did great things for God, delivered God's people. And uh, speaking of delivering God's people, it makes sense that the writer of Hebrews would uh, talk, you know, ab about judges. The period of judges was where they didn't have a king. This is going before, you know, the kings were established. Um, and that's the kind of an interesting thing is because God actually always wanted to be king to Israel. And, but they, you know, they always wanted a king, you know, and, but God's like, no, I am your king. I got what it takes. So, but they still wanted the system of this world, like what other, you know, Phoenicians that were around them, Philistines, they had kings. They're like, we need that. And I kind of understand it. It was a kind of a defense mechanism in our life. Sometimes that's what happens. We're thinking because we feel unprotected, we want the other thing, but God has something in mind. And, but at some point we have to learn to trust God. Amen. But anyways, um, and then Gideon, that's one of the guys, uh, Sid shared about him a few weeks back. Uh, Gideon is one of my favorite guys because I look at a lot of him and I'm like, man, that's me a lot of times. Like, you're growing up uncertain. I was like, Lord, I don't know if I, if I have what it takes to do this or to do that. Uh, it said that he, you know, he hid in the wine press. He didn't want to expose himself to an enemy. And God is like, I called you out. You're going to do some great things. And I love how God chooses people that are not up to the standard of this world, you know. So, anyways, but it makes sense why Gideon's in the list, right? Um, I look at him, though, and I'm like, I know what it feels like to, be, to feel in a retreat and what it feels like when God stirs up your heart. And when God finally stirred up his heart, he started moving. And then Gideon went down to three, only 300 men and did awesome things. And God is like, nope, too, still too many soldiers. I need few. And God selects the few to do great things. And I love that. So I get it. You know, Gideon is a good example of weakness to strength. Um, and by the way, anytime God calls you out, out of your situation, out of your unordined, you know, out of your regular day schedule, out of your wine press, you know, uh, <laughs> raises you up to be a warrior, gives you great victory, in spite of your limited vision, uh, limited, you know, skill set that you may think you have, uh, God likes that. He says, give me the little that you have. The whole kingdom of God was based in little things, right? Talking, we talked about so many weeks in a row, like talking about kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's something so small. God is not impressed when you say, God, I want to do great things for you. God doesn't pay attention to those prayers. God is like, give me that little that you have. You know, we look at, there's the symbolism of little through all the scripture. You know, that little rock brought down the Goliath. Guy who, you know, threw that rock. You know, he wasn't even on the list to go in the beginning and he did great things. It's the little things. There's little, it says little fish, little bread, 
that was brought to him. Little. There's a it specifies little. God wants what is little in your heart. That little faith that you have, that little testimony that you have that we talked about, you don't think is a big deal, is a big deal. You can make a huge difference in your community. You can make a big difference for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so, and then there's Jephthah. I don't want to talk about every one of them, but I mean, I think I almost covered all of them. But uh, Jephthah, he was a son of a prostitute. He was one of the judges as well. But he became a mighty warrior. Uh, Bible says that he was kicked out you know, out of his own house and he was surrounded by worthless men, you know. But how many know it's not what surrounds you, what determines you, right? And how far you can go in life. It's determined by the Lord. And so... He ended up being used by God, you know, in such unusual ways. Um, and I understand his inclusion as well because that's weakness to strength. Somebody that he wasn't even known to people and all of a sudden God chose him. Then we get to Samson. And everyone knows Samson, right? He was known for his strength but also a trip to a barber shop. Um, so... He, but you haven't passed by a church or been in any church where, you know, you wouldn't know who Samson was. We, we know him for his strength. He did everything with just power. Um, I just, I can imagine, well, I have my own imagination of how Samson would have looked like. He just had a lot of strength and uh, maybe not as a lot of logic, it seemed like at times. But it's amazing. And God was still like, I want you. And he's like, okay, God. But it's amazing, though, the whole birth itself, how he was born, was a miracle. Uh, Angel also showed up to his mom before Samson was born and said, hey, you know, you're going to have a son, but you must not do three things. Not touch anything dead, drink alcohol, or cut his hair. Those are the three things uh, of Nazarite had to do in case you wanted to experiment that uh, diet or lifestyle. But he was strong. And one time he was like walking and uh, a lion ran up to him. He just ripped a lion in half. Now think about how you react when you see a mouse. You know, just to give you a little point of reference, right? Um, one time, and I'm not going to talk a lot of his features but uh, the things that he did, but one time he lost a bet. Uh, he had to give 30 outfits or tunics, they say, of clothing but instead of going to the store, he decided to kill, you know, 30 Philistines and take their clothing. I mean, that's amazing. That's a one guy doing this thing. I mean, it's powerful. It's remarkable. I mean, it's supernatural strength. Um, I guess that's one way to do it, right? Just need something, go get it. <laughs> but he did everything with strength because God was with him, right? Uh, one time he took a jawbone of a donkey and he killed 1,000 Philistines. Think about it. One man killing 1,000. Philistines. That's just phenomenal. Uh, that's what happens when God is with you. He can use the very little thing that you have to do great things. When God is with you, nothing can stop you. Amen. And God kept showing that over and over again. Despite of Samson's shortcomings and mistakes, God was like, I'm with you. Ah, I have hope. I have hope. You know, and it's amazing though. So again, we have a whole list of people that started weak. You know, but finish strong. But then we get, like I said, to this legendary Bible character, Samson, who started out very strong, if you know his story. But he ended up very weak in the end, right? He ended up in the place that was not fitting for his potential. That's not what God called him to do. 
And, but I want to touch his story on it because I want to show what God can still do in the state of brokenness. Even despite of your failures, God can still come through when you finally open up, when you finally open up every room to him. Amen? Every room of your heart to him. Surrender to him. But anyways, when you look at him, you're like, wouldn't you call that weakness, uh, strength into weakness, right? But he says in that scripture, it took weakness to strength. But we're going to get to that. So three of the things he wasn't supposed to do, three vows, we already know, wasn't supposed to touch anything dead, wasn't supposed to drink alcohol, and he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. That's, these three vows um, coincided with his miraculous birth, but it says that when his hair was cut off, his strength left him, okay? So watch this, Judges 16, 19. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she... This is Delilah. Delilah. She called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. I love that. I was just literally telling that story two days ago to my kids before bed. And Alita's like, Dad, I don't understand. To me, it sounds like Samson was dumb. Because she tried so many times to find out, and then she, and then she would see the sol- he would see the soldiers. But wouldn't that make sense that he shouldn't tell? And that's you know my four year old daughter telling me, "You're right." But you know, so what happens when you're blinded? You know, you think that you're in love, you know, and you're doing things your way. Yeah. And I said, "Sweetheart, I don't know. Just you know, it's unfortunate. You know, sometimes what happens? I'm like, sweetheart, if you in future if you fall in love with a boy." I have to love him. You understand that? She's like, yes, Papa. I'm like, I'm going to check with you every, <laughs> every year on that. But, <laughs> yeah. But maybe you're in a season in your life where you feel like your strength has left you. You've tried so many times, and you're like, man, I, Lord, I just can't do it anymore. Um, the thing is, though, when you're in an unstable environment, you're vulnerable to the enemy. Okay? That's the tactics of militaries used for years. You know, they would try to catch the most moments where the enemy is not expecting, right? If you're unstable, it's easy to get pushed over, just like I was when Simon ran up from uh, behind and uh, he knocked me down. By the way, they almost named him uh, Samson, which is kind of interesting. I was hoping they would. <laughs> but, anyways. Um, so, I had a perfect analogy God gave me because I tore my ACL one time. My left knee, and um, and I had an operation. I recovered, and the doctor warned me. He's like, "Vic, you need to stabilize your balance because I was focusing, you know, taking the pressure off of my new operated knee, and I put it all my pressure on the good knee, and uh, or my original knee that's not injured, and surely enough." Because I didn't stabilize my balance. I was still focusing on this thing. It caused me to tear my other ACL. So that's a whole miracle in itself. Because when I went for a one-year checkup, doctor was like, ha, you tore your other, AC, uh, other knee, didn't you? Because my knee was wrapped up on a one-year checkup. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I told you so. <laughs> but I was unstable. And my balance was not stable. So... Uh, that's why I hurt myself pretty quick. And he says it actually happens quite frequently. Um, so I tore my second ACL, but then later on, miraculously, doctor decided to give me a second surgery for free as well. It's amazing. If you want to know a little bit more about it, ask me about it. Uh, God just came through in so many ways. But um, 
it's easy to get hurt when you're unstable. Uh, if person in a relationship of uh, young girls or young boys, whatever, when you're weak or your heart is broken, it's easy to get somebody to come in and say a few nice words. You're like, ah, and you fall for that, you know. So when you're unstable, it's easier to fall. Turn to two people and say, stabilize. Stabilize. Okay, I just want to get, keep us active so we don't doze off. Okay, stabilize. So the nation of Israel uh, in Judges was strong, right? The Israel was because God was always with them, but they were unstable. And that's what I wanted to talk a little bit briefly about. They would serve God for a little while, and then they would serve their desires for a little while. Like read through all of the Old Testament. It's kind of amazing how they just kept going back and forth, back and forth. They would follow God, and then they would fall back to, you know, serving pagan gods. They never lost their strength, but what they did lose was their stability. It seems like the only thing they were stable in is in their instability. And God is like, does a miracle for them, and they're like, they're like, great, they fall again. But God's love, you know, the whole story between God and Israel is an example of how he loves us. Despite of us continuously turning over from God, is like, I love you, come on, come back to me. Do it, do it again, we're going to do it together. And so... Anyways, but when I went back to my physical therapist, you know, when I was recovering, here's another analogy right there. Um, have you heard of stability ball? They have them in the gym, okay? If you think about it, right, stability ball, like ball is not a very stable thing. Like if anything, if something's stable, it's like it should be a box, right? It makes sense. But what they're doing is when I was recovering, uh, I was on the stability ball, uh, it what happens is they are creating an um, unstable situation, and Christina knows about it. She's a physical therapist. <laughs> so, um, but I'm in an unstable environment, so I can stabilize my weak muscles by regaining the strength that is around it, okay? So it's very important. Stability is very important. That's why I was like, wow, that's amazing, Lord. Thank you for that analogy. But when I started focusing on my uh, physical exercises that they told me to do, they didn't make sense at that point. But later I was like, wow, that instability ball helped me stabilize. So if you're in a season today where you don't feel stable, even despite of your own mistakes where that lands you there, God is so sovereign, he will use that unstable situation to strengthen you. God is so good to us, amen? If you're in an unstable situation, God wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to grow you on the inside. He wants to tell you how amazing you are for his kingdom. Amen. So he is trying to create the faith with you, within you that is not shaken by any of the storms in this world. Despite of anything that is on the news. Despite of even in your personal life, if you experience losses. He wants you to establish that faith, that strength within you. He wants to stabilize you. Amen. So despite your mistakes... God is sovereign. Just know that even in your own situation, even your own mistake that brought you there, you can cry out to God and say, Lord, I, I, this is my own doing. <laughs> but Lord, please come through. Go to your prayer room. Come and just open up what is on your heart. God will come through. So uh, the problem we have is that Samson, you know, is an unstable man, unstable deliverer sent to unstable people. And it's just kind of like two things like, Two worst things coming together if you think about it. But God is still believing through all that that he's going to, God gets the glory in the end. Amen. So, and uh, I know one fella, and this is, I think it's important to bring it up. And for some reason I thought of it right now. But um, he wasn't really stable in his faith, you know. And, and he was like, I love the Lord. 
And then, but he's like, I'm going to bring my girlfriend to Christ. And I said, man, you know, you need to stabilize your faith. You know, you got to be strong. You can be on a firm foundation before you pull somebody out, right? If you are driving in Alaska, you see a car in a ditch. Um, if you're going to, if you're in the ditch with the person, it's going to be impossible to pull out that vehicle, right? One vehicle needs to be on stable ground to pull the other vehicle out. So just keep that in mind. You need to be stable in your relationship with the Lord, to have an impact on somebody else. This is just whoever needs to hear that, accept that. <laughs> uh, so Israelites were unstable and went through many judges. Um, and Joshua, even before Judges, Book of Judges, uh, Book of Joshua is right before, he was sounding the alarm. He was warning the people. I was like, Israelites, we got to get it together. Because as the whole exodus happened, God showed them so many miracles, but they just kept backsliding, backsliding. Look at this, Joshua chapter 24, very popular verse, a uh, few verses, jo Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom are you going to serve? He's like, let's get it together, guys. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, he's like, but I'm making a decision. Because the reality ultimately is you're making your decision before the Lord. You're responsible for your relationship with Christ. There's only so much that a pastor can do or a friend can do. Ultimately, we make decisions in everything. And that is what works with our Lord. Amen? But for me, but as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. So now I want to also go to uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all. It says to all. It doesn't say if you're you know, good enough person because ultimately none of us are good, only God. It says, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith. So you got to be certain, you know, kind of like what Joshua is here telling. Like, make a decision without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you're unstable and you're thinking, like, should I do this or should I not? God is like, I'm going to go with, if you're courageous, you know, if you made that decision, I will be with you. But maybe you're here and you're having doubts, you know. You're like, man, I'm so weak. I'm not fit to be a parent or... Uh, some people are. I know I've met people that are scared to become parents because they think they don't have what it takes. And, well, of course you feel that way, you know, because you grew up in an unstable home and stable environment. And so you assume that you're weak, but God is like, no, you have what it takes. You've just never been stabilized. And one of the things to do is you get stabilized in the community of faith of believers, okay, pillars. Can't lean on weak people in uneasy times because... Those are the times that you run to God. You run to people that carry faith. They will encourage you. Amen? 
Don't run to temporary pleasures like drugs or alcohol because those things will only, you know, make it worse. You'll feel good for the moment, but when you wake up, those things are still there. Bring it before the Lord, amen? So, uh, for example, America is a strong nation, right? Talking about stability. But if we were not stable, it would be a very dangerous nation. That's what happens if you look at across the world, you know, where government left. There was some kind of stability, but the moment... Like, for example, uh, some kind of a ruler, even, it's a, if, even if it's a dictator or whatever is removed, it becomes insta- insta- uh, unstable. And just evil people take over and they attack and things like that. So our stability in our faith is so important. Amen. And I want to talk about four pillars of our life real quick here. In the light of Samson, I want to talk and check ourselves, check our balance. You know how they back in the day, I don't, I don't know, I think it was when I was in freshman in college, they had stability bracelets. Like they're magnetic. And, <laughs> and you know, first time they would show you, they'll like, you put, you know, they'll push you. And then they give you this bracelet. It was, it's sold pretty good. It's phenomenal. <laughs> they put, give you this bracelet and then they push you again. Well, that's an incredible marketing uh, idea because if you think about it, first time a person was not expecting to get pushed over. <laughs> and the second time they put on this magic rubber band with a little bit of magnet and say, watch this. Well, you already... Braced yourself for it, right? So, anyways, so we're going to check our stability. Uh, four points I want to talk about. First one, are you stable in your emotions? Uh, yes, God gave us emotions, but do we own our emotions or our emotions own us? It's very important to understand that because we can get, you know, emotional over the littlest things. And it's a very important thing to know that we have to be stable in our emotions. Amen? And so look at in Judges 13 through 16, if you have time to read it, right? Uh, Samson had all this emotional passion. He was like, yeah, I got, you know, I got the strength. You know, he was bench pressing like 300 when he was still in eighth grade. You know, I mean, this guy was strong and everything like that, but he was just continuously led by his emotions, you know, ladies continuously just draw them there back and forth that will do that to any man that's not stable i'm preaching to myself until i stabilized but he ran to something that he was supposed to deliver people from all right and i know that in the beginning of the year we talked about uh, samson a little bit and so but he continuously just was running to different things, being moved by his emotions. And his emotions were not very stable. Uh, point number two, are you stable in your commitment? Okay? Because if you consult your emotions to determine your commitment, <laughs> you'll never be stable. Your emotions mislead. Okay? Yeah. Don't trust your emotions. Uh, three things uh, Sam was, was told not to do, right? You heard about it. And he failed on all of them because he was not committed. He wasn't committed he wasn't stable in his commitment if your commitment doesn't align with your assignment even your achievements will feel very empty like seriously you can you can obtain anything you want you know but if you're not committed in that thing it's 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 gonna feel empty so point number three are you stable in your relationship or your relationships it's very important Samson got into a lot of trouble because he hung out around wrong people, wrong crowd. Because you catch what you're close to, right? You hang around with some people that are 
just not very kind or like always have grueling jokes or always have something negative to say about someone. Don't be surprised when you come home and you're like, all of a sudden you're looking at it. Yeah, my wife, my wife has problems. Or my husband, yeah, who is he? Ladies, be careful who you're hanging out with. Men, be careful who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Amen? Are you stable in your relationships? In the season of life, I believe, if you want to be stronger in God, you can't lean on weak people. Okay? Samson wouldn't listen to the ones that really loved him, right? His parents. Parents are like, please stop hanging out with those friends. Don't do it. But then he falls in love with those who actually hated him. People that are like, no, 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 they love me. I've done it myself before. I was like, parents, mom, dad, I understand. I appreciate your concern, but I got this. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God teaches all of us? <laughs> but if you keep leaning on weak people, don't be surprised when they let you down. Don't be surprised. If, if you put your head on Delilah's lap, don't be surprised to wake up bald. Right? We lose stuff. We lose our sight. So... Number point number four, are you stable in your belief? Okay? It was only after he couldn't see when Samson finally, when he, because what happened is they gouged his eyes, right? Yeah. And so when they cut his hair, though, he lost his strength. And when he lost his strength, he obviously lost his stability. While he was weak and unstable, that's when they gouged out his side. So they took away strength, stability, and sight. But when, you, when they took out his eyes physically, it was only an external indication of what actually happened internally a while back. I mean, for 20 years, he's been running, doing his thing. You know, he was blind, but he was around, running around doing things his own way. So, and look at this. He's in this state right now. We, we, he came here from a strong man, and now he's a slave. Grinding the mill in the prison. Blind. Doesn't have a sight. But finally, he sees on the inside. And that's what happens in our lives sometimes until we hit that rock bottom. We're like, you have nobody to lean on besides God. You're like, man, what do I got, what do I got to lose? And God was like, I was there all along. I want you to be challenged by that word today. Look at this, Judges. I want to get back in there, Judges 16, 25 through 30. While they were in high spirit, so these are the people that, you know, already enslaved Samson, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, what do pillars do? They stabilize. They stabilize the building, right? Watch this, 26. Samson said to the servant who held his hand, I mean, look at this. Now he's being, not only that, he's carried by a hand. I mean, such a weak state, this man that killed thousands with one jawbone. And he's like, put me where I can feel the pillars. <laughs> they made a mistake right there. Putting him on the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. It's meant so much symbolism in this scripture that opened up to me. You can be only stable when you lean on pillars of faith, okay? Talking about who you lean on. So Samson is blind physically, but now he can see spiritual. Look at this, verse 27. Now the temple was crowded with men and women, all the rulers of Philistines. We're talking about this as a White House meeting, sort of like, of those people. Like, literally, all the rulers, people were there. 
And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. We got all these people, thousands, right? I want you to see this real quick because I want you to see how in the most vulnerable state, Samson accomplishes his greatest victory. And I came to declare to somebody today who needs a second chance, who you feel like your strength has left you. Your strength is coming back. Yes, you lost your hair, but your hair grows back. Remember, Larissa one time said, Vic, you know, I want to cut my hair. And I said, try it. If you don't like it, it'll grow back out, right? But I feel like the Lord is saying, really, your strength is coming back to you. Yes, you lost. You thought, man, I've tried so many times, but Lord, I'm committed this time. But your strength is coming back. Verse 28, the Samson, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Emotionally stable, Vic. <laughs> Verse 28, but the Samson prayed to the Lord. Here's, we're talking about, last week we're talking about, think about in the most vulnerable state. Uh, we talked about Abraham, right, and Isaac. Yeah. Very vulnerable state because Abraham's supposed to sacrifice his son. And he's walking up to that before the Lord to worship him. Talking about our prayer room, guys, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. And this is where Samson, you can see, he's clearly seeing. He's seeing things that are a lot beyond his physical sight. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on Philistines for my, for my two eyes. He was still a little selfish, like, just for the sake of my two eyes, Lord. <laughs> but... Then Samson, verse 29, reached toward the two central pillars on which temple stood. Reached for the pillars that you can stand on, lean on, right? Your prayer, worship. Talked about climbing, maintaining. I guess I can connect those two now. Your prayer and your worship, those pillars in your life before the Lord. And what did Samson do next? What does it say? He braced himself. What are you going to do in this next season in your life when storms rage? Brace yourself. What are you going to do when you thought you are forsaken? Brace. When you're going to do, what are you going to do when you, you know, when you don't know what to do? Because that's what happens most of the time. It's like, you're just like, oh, Lord, I just don't know what to do. Brace yourself, amen. Your strength is coming back. Look at this. Verse 30. Then he pushed with all his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. So all those 20 years he'd been running around doing things his own way. He thought he could do much. But when God is with you, but even despite of your weak state and where you're at right now in your life. And you're thinking like, Lord, I'm at this age right now. I feel like my best days are behind me. No. When you put God first. You can do greater things than all those years that you have lost. Greater years than all the years that the locusts have eaten. Than you thought like, man, I have lost so much already before, Lord. But no, your best days, it's not ahead of you. It's found in Christ. Your best days are found in Christ. It's easy, it's easy to use the terminology of this world. Say, the best years are ahead of you. But no, your best years are found in God. 
Okay? That's why people find the greatest joy sometimes. They're like, they accept the Christ when they're 80. And they're like, I have never been more happy in my life. God, like, it's as if those days just, God is like, replaces them and says, you have found your true joy. Only in him. Amen? Look at this, Corinthians 2.9. I want us to know and be excited for what God is preparing us. What we need to brace ourselves for. Verse uh, Corinthians 2.9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared so much for you to do. And you think like in your state, this state of mind, you're like, Lord, I can't do anything. God is turning your weakness to strength. Because you're putting all your hope in him. Amen? Look at this. I'm going to finish this. The last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 through 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I want you to write this down and today somewhere and put it on a post-it note and put it in your car. I want you to read this. I want, you to, I want to challenge you this week to read this to yourself. Remind yourself. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, verse 10, for Christ's sake, I didn't delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and all those difficult people that were just attacking me, right? And persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God finds us in our weaknesses, despite the fact if where we're at right now, where God brought us in our life, by our own mistakes, it was your, you know, God is so sovereign, he can use that, turn it around, and give you the greatest victory in your life. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for your word that is living, that you're speaking to us continuously, Lord, and you're telling us that we are strong in you, Lord. We find our strength in you. Lord, I ask that this word that was deposited into our spirits, Lord, that it would take root, that we would accept it, Lord. And we know, Lord, what you have prepared for us. We're going to brace for what is ahead. And you're strengthening your church, Lord. You're strengthening us. And the fact that we're here today, Lord, it is not by some kind of coincidence. It is because you are leading our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for every presence always being there, always being there for us in our difficulties, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And just, let's just take as a sign of a surrender. You don't have to pick up your hands, but just open up the palms to him and say, Lord, have your way. In my weakness, Lord, you are strong. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for speaking to us and leading us to green pastures, Lord. There's nothing that is too sm small or nothing that is too big that is in front of us. Lord, we find our strength only in you, only in your word. When we come and we close off the noise of this world, we go in our room, Lord, and we worship you and we cry out to you. And that's when everything starts making sense, Lord, when we understand that, Lord, I know why I've been through all this year feeling instability, Lord, is because you were strengthening me in so many other ways, Lord. You show me how much stronger I am than I really am, Lord God. But my strength is only found in you. Thank you, Lord. I surrender everything to you that is 
before me, Lord. All those challenges, all the uncertainties, my relationships, Lord. If I'm struggling with any relationship right now, Lord, I'm surrendering that to you. Everything I am surrendering fully to you, Lord, and ask that you would lead my heart. Hallelujah. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Say that. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. Walking around, yeah. And check everybody's stability on the way out. Brace yourself. Be careful when Sid approaches you, though. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.